0: Welcome to the Timeline episode 3. It is May 2020 and we are currently in the middle of a lockdown in the UK. As such, during the recording of this we had to forego the usual recording setup and record using a and record over Skype. As such there were numerous audio issues You may hear quite a few of them during this episode. We've done what we can to correct that, but a lot of it's still there, I'm afraid. All we ask is that you bear with us and forgive us for any issues. And uh, we hope you enjoy the show. Blade.
1: Ready to die. I was born, ready, motherfucker.
0: Back to episode 3 of Series Zero, I suppose, Uh, the pilot series of The Timeline. We are finishing up our look at the Blade series of films with Blade Trinity. Um, The 2002 film, if I remember rightly.
1: That's a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> with me is, as always, Limbert Bond for this Ride Through All The Blade Films. How have you been doing, Limbert, with everything? I've
1: been alright. I've been self-isolating self in my house, looking outside the window, watching people walk by. You've
0: been managing to get your daily exercise?
1: Yes, I've started doing a yoga series.
0: Oh, but uh, just yoga, nothing else?
1: Just yoga. And a couple of walks, you know. I went for a walk yesterday.
0: Oh, good. Good. It's, it's, a, it's sort of semi-eerie around here, so... But as long as you're keeping well, it's been a while since we've spoken. Everything's gone to pot, so...
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be speaking in person for another two months.
0: <laughs> well, you know, if one of us gets sick and recovers, we can obviously hang out after that. So, um, Blade Trinity... Uh, which version did you watch? May I ask? Um, I, I believe I watched the standard version. I believe. So, 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 like the the extended cut is about two hours, just under.
1: I definitely watched an hour. I think forty-minute one.
0: So a good fifteen minutes longer then. Yeah. Um. Um. um so we'll go through the people who have returned in a little while, but there's been a few people joined up. So um, we should go through the history of the film in this production this is going to be an interesting episode for a multitude of reasons Um, so we'll get off we'll just dive in I think so um, for Play Trinity a few people joined the cast Um, first up we had Jessica Beale as uh, a character we won't mention her name just yet Um, Jessica Claire Timberlake Was born March third, nineteen eighty-two, in Eli or Ely, Eli, something like that, Minnesota in the U.S. She's an actress, model, producer, and singer, and also a vegan with some potentially questionable views on vaccination. That we want about today. She's one of those. (laughs) Uh, Well, the 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 information on that is. iffy so I don't want to go into too much detail but people have questions for some of the things she said oh. um, she's notable for appearing in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake in 2003 which is around the same time as Blade Trinity um, but also in Rules of Attraction uh, Stealth The Illusionist I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry Valentine's Day <laughs> um, the A-Team movie from a few years back New Year's Eve And the Total Recall remake from a few years back. Um, Her her movie history is (laughs) spotty. She's not a bad actress. She just seems to... Think bad films? Great film. I that just kind of passed
1: me I guess, yeah. Middle of the road films.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's no bad thing. You you pay your bills, you know. Um, Ryan Reynolds is in as Hannibal King. Um, oh, I hate this character. <laughs> really interesting. Ryan Rodney Reynolds, which is the best alliteration I've ever heard. Um, born October 23rd, 1976, in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, he's a Canadian um, American actor, comedian, film producer, and screenwriter. He's been in a wide range of films. Uh, we will likely look at some at some point in the future. Most notably, uh, National Lampoon's Van Wilder, uh, Waiting in 2005, The Proposal, uh, Buried, which we've both seen, Oh yeah, you raved about that one, Uh, Woman in Gold, uh, Life from 2017, and um, The Green Lantern, yeah, The Green Lantern film. That that film. Uh, There's some other film, something about a guy in red spandex jumpsuit, um... It'll come to me at some point. Anyway, um, we've also got Dominic Purcell as Dracula or Drake. Uh, Dominic. Don't break. Yeah, Drake is easier if we want to go through it. But uh, Dominic Hakon Matrived uh, Purcell. Let's try saying that drunken five times fast. Was born seventeenth of February nineteen seventy in Wolsey, Merseyside, in England. He's an Australian actor. He's best known for his work on Prison Break uh, through 2005 and 2009 and in 2017 for the uh, reboot of that series. And in The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, which he's still in at the moment. we have also got Parker Posey as Danica Talos. Um, Parker Christian Posey, Born November 8th, 1968, is an American actress and musician. She is best known for starring in a succession of independent films in the 1990s. Um, For some to name, would be uh, Party Girl, The Doom Generation, The Day Trippers, House of Yes and Clock Watchers. You might know her from other film appearances like You've Got Mail or Scream 3, Josie and the Pussycats, uh, Personal Velocity, Superman Returns, the American Eye remake, uh, and Columbus. But she also appeared in numerous TV series such as Futurama, The Simpsons, Will and Grace, Boston Legal, Parks and Recreation, The Good Wife, and God knows how many others. She's <laughs> Since uh, 2018, she starred as Dr. Smith on the Netflix series Lost in Space. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, another one of note, Paul Triple H Levesque <laughs> as Jarko Grimwood. <laughs> Paul Michael Levesque was born in uh, July 27th, 1969 in New Newsh- 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 New Hampshire. I cannot pronounce that properly. I can barely pronounce any words properly. <laughs> uh, in the United States. He is better known by the ring name Hunter Hurst Helmsley, or Triple H, and is an American business executive, professional wrestler, and... It's also worth a note, it's our first official Patton Oswalt sighting, born January 27th, 1969 in Portsmouth, Virginia, United States. Patton Peter Oswalt is a stand-up comedian, actor, voice actor and writer, and we're going to start a Patton Oswalt tally today, (laughs) that we're going to keep up with whatever whatever films we see in the future. Um, We've got a couple of returning characters, obviously. Chris Christopherson is back as Abraham Whistler and Wesley Snipes is back as Eric Brooks or Blade, obviously. Um, they've dropped calling him Eric Brooks or Eric in any way, shape or form. At this point, there's not even a reference to his original name in this film. Um, none of the previous actors from any other films return at this point, uh, which isn't a surprise. They tend to, uh, based on the last film, just rotate for new people. Um, the notable characters that do appear, there were two worth mentioning um, Hannibal King, who you say you hate. <laughs> what, what did you hate about him in this film? His jokes are not funny. I
1: don't oh. know. <laughs> I just feel like he's just too over the top trying to pull out jokes. He overwrote his character, was just like going way too hard on mm-hmm. trying to make him funny, but it wasn't really funny, which is annoying after a while.
0: Okay. He first appeared as a supporting character in the 1970s comic book Tomb of the Dracula. Um, uh, In the comic book Hannibal King was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and first appeared in October 1974. He was created by artist Gene Colan and writer Marv Wolfman. Both of them have been mentioned before. He was a sort of supernatural private detective. Uh, King was bitten and killed by Deacon Frost, from our first episode, while on a case in London, and vowed never to feed on people as a vampire, feeding on blood he purchased or stole from blood banks and on corpses or animals. Um, he he's in the comics for a long time, sort of recurring character. Uh, the other notable character is obviously fucking Dracula. <laughs> they put out the pig guns Uh, now we won't go into the long long history of fucking Dracula it's too many to (laughs) go it's a never ending rabbit hole yeah and we would need a lot of time and not only is it debatable if this is the same novel uh, as the novel Dracula but even debatable if you count this as the same Dracula as the Marvel Comics Dracula it could be an old vampire mistaken Or assumed as Dracula. It's too confusing. But for the film timeline. We will only look at the evidence in the film. Um, As for the Marvel Comics Dracula. He first appeared. Obviously. In Tomb of Dracula number one. In 1972. He was created. By Jerry Conroy. uh, Writer. And artist Gene Colan. Even for this take on Dracula. There's just too much to go into. Uh. Notable, uh, you should try and look for, is a fight he had with the mutant Apocalypse in Victorian London. He was born Vlad Dracula in 1430 in Strasbourg, Transylvania, now, uh, Shishora, uh, or Shishora, Romania. I, I... There's no way <laughs> I'm pronouncing that one. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. So we've got, we've got past all the main characters, um... There's a couple of others that pop up, but they don't do much. There's like quite a lot of people in this film. There's some, even some background actors and actresses who go on to do bigger things later or are famous in their own right. Um, I just threw random research today looking at this cast. There's a girl who gets bitten by Dracula in the film, um, in the middle of the film. But we'll get to that scene. And she goes on to be one of the lead cast members in the TV series Eureka. So even the smaller parts seem to go on to do something interesting. Um, But anyway, Blade Trinity, let's have a little... I say a little, let's have a small glance over the development history. So as you know, it was produced by New Line Cinema, as all the other films were, Marvel Enterprises, Amon Ra Films, Imaginary Forces, and Sean Daniel Productions Ltd. So um, it had a lot of people behind it. Um, so Blade Trinity is well known for having what you could quote as problems. Most notably, <laughs> the film's lead actor, Wesley Snipes. Was unhappy with the script, the original director. Um, so David Escoya was brought on to direct instead. He'd written the script for the other films and he'd written this script. Um, so it was thought he'd be good for the role, you know. He's, he'd even uh, worked with Resi Snipes as a director before, as we found out in the last episode. He directed a film between Blade and Blade 2, Snipes was a part of. Um, sadly, Wesley Snipes also disliked this choice. Um, it was reported he caused difficulty during filming. This li- this included, but was not limited to, frequently refusing to shoot scenes, forcing the director to use stand-ins and visual effects to add him in. <laughs> now, this is all conjecture. Right? In an interview with the AV Club in 2012, Patton Oswald said of, lead, of the lead snipes, quote, He wouldn't come out of his trailer. He would smoke weed all day. <laughs> <laughs> he continues. <laughs> <laughs> he continues. Then I remember one day on the set, they let everyone pick their own clothes. There was this one black actor, who was also kind of a club kid, and he wore this shirt with the word garbage on it in a big stylish letters. It was his t-shirt. And Wesley came down to the set, which he only did for close-ups. Everything else was does, done by in his stand-in. I only did one scene with him. But he comes in and he goes, There's only one other black guy in this movie. And you need to make him wear a shirt that says garbage. You racist motherfucker. <laughs> 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 And then he tried <laughs> to <laughs> strangle the director, David <laughs> Goyen. Meth with acting to the next level. He said to, "He said Snipes would stay in character throughout the whole shoot. When Oswald in, in, introduced himself, Snipes simply said, I'm Blade. Furthermore, a lot of the lines that Ryan Reynolds has were just a result of Wesley not being there so they gave lines to Ryan Reynolds just because they didn't have somebody else saying something so they just gave him more to say. According to Oswald um, when Wesley Snipes apparently sat down with David Goya and said I think you need to quit you're detrimental to this movie. Goya's response was why don't you quit we've got all your close-ups we could shoot the rest with your stand-in for the rest of the production, he would only communicate with the director through post it notes. And he would <laughs> sign each post it note from Blade.
1: <laughs> oh, this is why this movie is so bad. It will <laughs> make sense now.
0: How much, have you, much of this have you heard so far? Not, not of that, none of that at all. <laughs> oh, there's more. <sighs> Another source stated that when Spin Reporter. Chris Parry, showed up to cover the final days of filming on the set of Blade Trinity, he heard a range of stories. He learned that not only did Wesley Snipes not refer to his co-stars by name, but he specifically referred to Ryan Reynolds as That Cracker. Wow. (laughs) An unnamed executive on the film claimed Snipes would say things like Tell that cracker to get out of my eyeline and Tell that cracker to get his lines right. Wow.
1: (laughs) I was the biggest star. Who's the biggest yeah. star now?
0: <laughs> well, Snipes has been to prison since. So. Yeah. Not for anything interesting. I think it was tax evasion or something?
1: Tax evasion, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, boring.
0: Good. Yeah. In an interview with Chris Parry, writing for Spin at the time, Parker Posey spoke about how obvious it was Wesley Snipes was checked out. She said, I came here to do something fun and stupid and big budget. And I don't normally get to do that kind of thing. I don't have the boobs for it, you know? So I'm showing up, saying my lines, having fun with it, and Wesley isn't. Eventually, in an interview with in Vice in 2018, Snipes opened up about the rumours and accusations. When asked if there was truth to the rumour that he took a method acting approach to Blade Trinity and consistently stayed in character while on set, he said false you've got to look at the source of information he was from what i've read he was directly directly talking about patton oswald as if what he was saying was untrue because it's patton oswald um for whatever reason when asked if it was true that he spent the entire duration of the film's production in his trailer uh, he simply answered false lastly Snipes was asked about communicating with post-it notes signed, From Blade. He responded, That may have happened. I wouldn't say it was frequent because our whole crew was banished to the other side of the island of production. The only way we could sometimes get messages since we didn't have a radio was to get it there by carrier pigeon Or (laughs) sometimes. Wow. So people weren't talking properly. Um, So yes, that's... That's part of what got me quite deep into research for this is there was a lot to double-check when it came to where these stories are and if anything had been updated and all that. Um, but yes, that's fascinating. Any thoughts on that?
1: It makes a lot of sense now why the movie seems a bit chaotic
0: at times. There are some specific scenes we are definitely going to talk about.
1: <laughs> this explains it. This explains why, I think...
0: There's, there's so much more that you that you may not have noticed um that is just famous scenes in the film one very famous one um but that you will make you laugh it's hilarious So the third Blade film was released 8th December 2004 um, The box office in America, it took a box office gross of 52 million and worldwide it took 128.9 million dollars um, which is around the same as the first film uh, Directed by David S. Goya, as we mentioned um, he did nothing between the two films uh, the second and third one um, literally, as far as I can tell. I can't see... Maybe he worked on some scripting for this and uh, that took up his time. He did have... Uh, you'll like this. Uh, one uncredited writer role on a film. And that film was with Freddy vs. Jason.
1: Oh. <laughs> Great film! watch, this.
0: As always, for reference, uh, the Marvel Universe for everything in the comics is 616 but the universe for this one is 26320 Um, when it comes to the timeline for everything in this film it is literally impossible to figure out what the timeline is there is only one reference to time passing aside from visuals and that is a 6 month jump so we know that there's a 6 month sort of gap and even that is not properly corroborated, it could be any sort of time period that's just our sources say sort of stuff Um, the film I watched and that we'll be working from here is extended edition DVD um, PAL, Region 2 UK some scenes may be different in different countries might be longer or might be missing completely there may even be different takes of the same scenes but generally most of this should match up I know in your case that you'll have scenes that you know. I know you've got a different scene at the end than is on this version of the film. Um, well, I think so, uh, but we'll get there. Um, but you'll be able to follow along, I'm sure. If you if you don't know something or have an opinion on something you've not seen or heard of, feel free to speak up. All right, so let's get let's get ready. We'll dive right in. So, opening, new line and Marvel comic Flippy Pages logo, pool of blood, voiceover from Ryan Reynolds about Dracula, he talks about the history of Dracula and the truth, or something along those lines. Um, Is that the same for you? Yes. Okay, Okay, cool. Cut to daytime. Now, it's, it's only just had the logos and we've had a quick cut to the daytime. Syrian desert, two choppers fly over the landscape. They land at what looks like a sort of Mayan-looking pyramid. So I, I did a bit of research on the pyramids in, or or, or lost um, artifacts and things in Syria. Uh, there are no recorded uh, pyramids of this kind in the Syrian deserts, but in June twenty on June twenty fifth. 2012 on the uh, Fox News website um, a story was posted uh, talking about some lost um, buildings that had been discovered uh, there were fragments of stone tools stone circles lines on the ground and even evidence of tombs appeared to lie in the desert near an ancient monastery of Deir Mer 50 miles north of Damascus Archaeologist Robert Messon of the Royal Ontario Museum uh, said he likened the formations to Syria's Stonehenge. Um, what it looked like was a landscape for the dead and not for the living. Which is interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, Late saw it.
0: Uh, this was, and this was, you know, several years afterwards. In uh, 2009. He made the find, uh, and was eager to return, but there is no evidence that he had returned at any point in recent history. Uh, He says regional conflicts make such a return trip nearly impossible because of violence in the area. The monastery itself, also called the Monastery of St. Moses the uh, Abyssinian, Abyssinian... God, I need somebody to translate this stuff for me properly. (laughs) Um, ...was built in the late 4th or early 5th century. He said it contains several uh, frescoes from the 11th and 12th century depicting Christian saints and Judgment Day. But the desert puzzle is much older. Bits of tools Mason found nearby suggest the mystery he discovered in the desert is much older than a monastery... It may date to the Neolithic period or early Bronze Age, six thousand to ten thousand years ago. So, you know, a long, long time ago. Interesting. interesting. Maybe Dracula is hanging out over there. Anyway, out of the chopper steps a heavy person, covered in combat gear. He joins three others before turning and giving us the middle finger. Of course, oh, he's his son. Sorry giving a son <laughs> a little finger which is ridiculous fuck you son <laughs> it's it's all all
1: walkers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't give scary. it away the four mystery people enter the pyramid and use some head scanning or heat scanning equipment before breaking through the floor and making their way day down into the depths below after tossing two glow sticks with a little swish noise the ground makes their way down a ladder Where did that ladder come from? Magic. Magic ladder. Uh, Into an area covered in scripture. Finally there they remove their headgear and it's vampire Parker Posey. Two small henchmen and is that Hunter Double H? Wrestle fights man. He looks a bit doughy in the face here. He's totally been at the head and shoulders so that's something. What's this chicken scratch? He asks. She just says, it's cuneiform. Uh, cuneiform, uh, and she says, it's a 4,000 year old text or something like that. Um, notes on cuneiform. Uh, cuneiform, or sumero Acadean cuneiform, was one of the earliest systems of writing. Invented by the Sumerians uh, in ancient Meta- Mesopotamia, it was distinguished by its wedge shaped marks on clay tablets made by means of blunt reed for a stylus. The term cuneiform comes from cunea, the Latin word for wedge. There you go, there's your learning.
1: Nothing, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Quickly, they detect something below them a body. It's not long before one is snatched face first and pulled into a slowly opening sandpit in the ground. The others attempt to rescue him, but he's pulled back minus her head, causing uh, Chubble H to exclaim, What the fuck, motherfucker? (laughs) 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 And for some reason, the lights that don't exist in the room to start flashing back and forth on and off. Because I thought it was just light coming in from outside and their glow sticks. So I don't know what's flashing on and off. Um... And uh, as it does A demon rises out of the pit To the sound of screams Cut to black Fade into a TV screen A TV show host Bentley Tittle Talks to two guests A psychotherapist No, psychiatrist and biochemist And a second guest A chief of police He's, he's never given a name um, And it's not clearly stated Where he's chief of police Of, But he is chief of police. Maybe he's chief of all police. I don't know. The doctor mentions a hereditary blood disease called porphyria. Uh, Oh yes, it's research time. Notes on porphyria. Porphyrias are a group of mainly inherited conditions. They are characterised by attacks of severe pain, acute porphyrias or light-sensitive skin problems. Uh, cutaneous spifferias according to the King's College Hospital NHS website they are a group of inherited metabolic disorders uh, of the hame biosynthesis pathway caused by a deficiency of one of the eight enzymes involved uh, leading to accumulation of neurotoxic or phototoxic hame precursors the conditions are characterized by acute uh, neurovesceral Uh, crisis Uh, skin lesions or both metabolic means they affect the chemistry of the body not its structure skin sensitivity in sunlight is far worse than normal sunburn Uh, hame is used to make hemoglobin in red blood cells Um, some people end up with red urine after exposure to the sun Yeah, there's pictures of these people who've pissed in a jar on one day, and then two days later, it's it's red. It's it's weird, but you know, um, uh, people have to watch see. their kidneys and livers and stuff when they've got this. It's it's not a sort of blood disorder quite, but um, you can see where they're stretching, stretching the, the idea, idea from. from. Yeah. Uh, back to the film. The cop denies vampires exist. And then the TV show talks about Blade. So they've talked about vampires and Blade as if the whole world knows who both of these things are and believe in them. What has happened between Blade 2 and Blade Trinity? Yeah.
1: Blade's become exposed.
0: Um, they dissect him as an idea and suggest he's just mentally ill. Um, sudden cut. Explosions. Warehouses. Side note. Are warehouses just people who trap their hands in a door and then turn into (laughs) buildings on a full moon?
1: Perhaps. Perhaps. Is there always a warehouse somewhere?
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, It's it's polite in In some places. (laughs) One person falls from a window, screaming, mostly because he's on fire. Others flee the building, some also on fire, and one runs towards the camera before, boom, shot in the back, disintegration. In this film's It looks a bit better than it has in the others, but not, you know. It's got the style, but it's a better quality version of it. And it's Blade, stepping out for a second, starting the title sequence, and a fight. A mix of classic movie score, dance, and rock music plays, kind of. It's got a bit of all of that together. Um, Vampires on bikes, again. Uh, Some in a car, though. Uh, Blade flips backwards over one car and then shoots behind himself, causing another car to reverse into a pole and explode for no reason. (laughs) Two vampires run up to Blade, and then for a moment, everybody stops. Uh... Oh, and then a third vampire runs up to him on fire. He's quickly booted out of the way, then Blade pulls out a cool-looking chain-whip thing, killing all the vampires surrounding him. That was weird, that bit. They just run up to him, screaming, and then they just kind of stop, and he's got his guns out, and he just kind of stands there. (laughs) And nothing happens. It's weird. Cut to a semi running down the street. It's our old mate Whistler. Yay. Oh yeah, the main man. Back from the dead again still, I see. Two bikers are... T- no, you can't keep him down. Can't keep a good old guy down. Two bikers are attempted to escape, but he's on their tail. We've got a great big vampire hunting convoy. Blade jumps down onto the trailer and then rolls off of it onto a car beside the truck. He gives a weird gurn before leaving into the back of the trailer and driving his car out from the back. Also, side note, Blade now has nitrous. Um, I don't know if you remember in the second film, Whistler thought nitrous was a bad idea.
1: Yep. But he's got it now. And I nope. think it makes sense as while well, that truck scene. Or...
0: Yeah, no, we're going to get further into that. <laughs> don't worry. So, uh, notes on nitrous because We may as well research that here while we're here. When you heat nitrous oxide to about 570 degrees Fahrenheit, or 300 degrees centigrade, it splits into oxygen and nitrogen. So the injection of nitrous oxide into an engine means that more oxygen is available during combustion. Because you have more oxygen, you can also inject more fuel, allowing the same engine to produce more power. Nitrous oxide is one of the simplest ways to provide a significant horsepower boost to any gasoline engine. Nitrous oxide also has another effect that improves performance even more. When it vaporises, nitrous oxide provides a significant cooling effect on the intake air. When you reduce the intake air temperature, you increase the air's density and this provides even more oxygen inside the cylinder. No? yeah. I wanted to get that out of the way so we didn't have to talk about it. Should we ever talk about Fast and the Furious or anything like that? Anyway. Uh, vampire bikers shoot holes in Blade's car windscreen, which tickles Blade a little bit, so he has a little a laugh about that. And then he just runs one of them, the two of them, down with his car. The second slips behind Blade, uh, but just uh, Blade just slows the car down, so the biker crashes into the back of it and through the window. Blade then just grabs him and slams him up and down into the roof of the car, before shotgunning him in the face while he dangles out the car door. The first vampire suddenly leaps up onto the bonnet of Blade's car and just thumps on the bonnet a bit before being shot in the face as well. Blade then catches up to the fleeing car in front of him with a driver and passenger. They shoot back at him, but he pops on some UV headlights and dusts the first vampire, the driver, as the car flips and crashes. Some civilians come out and pull the surviving man out of the now tipped-over car, but quickly run and scream while they see he's brandishing a gun. As he attempts to make an escape, Blade shotguns him in the back with a silver shotgun, silver, silver stake shotgun, causing even more bystanders to scream and run. As he approaches, as he approaches our final vamp, but shit, swerve, son! It's not a vampire, it's just a guy who laughs that they tricked him. And then we see Vampire Parker Posey filming everything from the rooftop in the background. Right, so. We finally got on through the opening sequence. <laughs> that opening sequence had four scenes before the, the. Well, like three scenes and a bit of a scene where the title sequence happened. Uh, it's just. Uh, crikey. <laughs> Like usually you get one or two maybe, but there was so much before the beginning titles. Um was anything different from what you could hear in your version of the film? No. No, oh, okay. They all seems the same. Um So about this plan they had. Uh so how did they know that the car was gonna crash where it crashed? So that Parker Posey could be standing on a building in the background filming him with a camera. I mean that is some severe planning. They they knew how many vampires were going to die before they could get him in the right spot what, to film. He knew
1: about the truck, the nitrous in his car, all, all of
0: it. it. <laughs> where? Secondly, where did Whistler disappear to afterwards?
1: Know, maybe he, tried, maybe he just maybe he's just truck back how, to base. How,
0: how did, he did he make, make that, that vanish? vanish? He was driving down the same road as Blade. I'll just turn this round. Um, don't worry, everyone. I'm not trying to block you in. <laughs> And why did they ask the guy?
1: Why is he not dead?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you would think he'd figure it out. Um, th- thirdly, everybody involved in this plan was involved in a plan, <laughs> so all the vampires knew they were going to die. And then, even worse, the human being who wanted to become a vampire decided it was okay to risk being killed as part of the plan I love all the fact that you tricked him. What? <laughs> What was the benefit to that guy? He's just dead now. He didn't even get to be a vampire. Your head starts hurting. I think he was But what what did you think of this opening sort of sequence? Yourself?
1: I just it's it It felt a bit messy but... and a bit weird. Like they tried to film him to get him like on the cop's bad side. When technically he's on the cop's bad side anyway. Since they're talking about him in the beginning before this entire scene happens.
0: It, it it is it, you know it does make sense to have some sort of you know um, bad press campaign against Blade from the vampires because you know they're in business and they're in control of staff and they'd want to smear him it makes sense it's just kind of all over the place um, anyway we rejoined Blade as he's heading home to his new base. Some sort of dock warehouse. Uh, Whistler uh, admonishes him for killing of a human in public. Because it's messy. But he's got a new toy for him though. An inhaler for him serum. our oh, blade has got vampire asthma. <laughs> um. <laughs> mm. ah. uh, we cut to a wanted poster. Out of the blue. In a well lit office. A news report on the TV... I paused, there's no date, there's no location on the television, no information I could work from to figure out when or where this is. And apparently this is the FBI. So, uh, I also paused and looked at the, the wanted poster. Um, there's quite a lot of detail written on there, exactly where they got the information from, I don't know, because it's just telling people the story of Blade being vampire hunter, but he's mad, you know. Note 1. And I want you to consider these questions. Why does the wanted poster need a mock-up drawing of Blade when they have two very good high-quality pictures of him?
1: (laughs) Doesn't that defeat the point (laughs) of of the the drawing? drawing. Yep.
0: Two. The TV report is one of the worst TV interviews I've ever seen. It's hilarious. She's just like, Ah, there was so much blood. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Like, what? Um... The, the 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 opening card for this scene says it's FBI FBI regional headquarters. So it's clearly daytime in the FBI regional headquarters. You can see there's windows, bright light, it's daytime. The news report is nighttime and it's live.
1: I usually just waited in the morning to publish the news.
0: <laughs> it says it's live. <laughs> Should we assume this is day three or I don't know if this is regional FBI headquarters, which region is it in? Is it the same region as the news report? I don't know. The news station, WHML9, is obviously not real, but there is a radio station called WHMI935FM out of Livingston County, Michigan. It's unlikely to be where this is set, but it's a shot. We're we're digging here. There's also a couple other WHML things. There is one WHML uh, radio station, not MHL 9, but it's a Christian radio station somewhere, and I didn't catch where it was from. Um, Agent 2 enters. He says, Hey, Ray, we got a lead. Clearly said as a statement, not a question. Agent 1, Ray says, let's catch a plane, Wilson. Nobody says to where or why. It's time to catch these cowboys. And they just walk out. End scene. Uh, what was that scene? I
1: what don't know, because th- it, assu- it assumes that they got it the after point? more than one person, I guess Whistler, but no poster or anything. And what's the thing he found anyway? Yeah. What's the leadage found? Yeah. Like? Yeah. what the, the news, news, news? report, because that's, that's,
0: that's, that's not, not correct, because it's night time there. Um, note number five, do all FBI agents leave their workstation unsecured in an unsecured office and leave with three TV screens still on, just walking out and getting a plane somewhere?
1: What a that's, I, I couldn't could, I trust, trust them
0: with important documents to save my life. Anyway, cut to a building. Now inexplicably at night, our villainous is drifting along. And joined by Vampire H and two others, as she does. She states she's allowed to take. Uh, she states he allowed them to take him. Um, and there's a heat image, and so that is of a him. She scans her hand and gives us an official name on the computer monitor. It says Talos Danica. Uh, before entering the secure room and meeting a predator, vampire, demon thing, he transforms in shadow into a normal-looking man for some reason, telling her she shouldn't have woken him. He then snags off vampires as they exist now, and then she talks about Blade, and he asks if she wants him to kill him. And she says yes, obviously. So what do you think of this little section?
1: I mean, it's just... I didn't mind it as much. It wasn't too offensive or anything, but... I don't know who transformed because he wants to intimidate her and hates vampires. He really did not like stay in his true form. And
0: why change to human at all? Yeah, you know, nothing to fear. But yeah, you know, maybe um, spider wise. Good <laughs> in, so. um, Who were these FBI guys? Did you have an idea at the beginning? Did you remember? I should have asked. Have you seen it before?
1: I have, but I didn't. I don't remember it. I didn't remember it from before. It's almost like I'm watching a new a film, a new film. Because I think I watched it once, that's why. Ever, mm. before.
0: It's funny what bits get lost in, in memory.
1: All I remember from the film was a Triple H scene where he's fighting at Lyman. That's the only thing I remember the entire six, five movie. That one scene that, is, that he, he,
0: is he is one of the people who tries stealing the film. Mm. Um, so we cut to Whistler. I shit you not, he's buying a gossip magazine yeah, from a from man in an eye, eye patch. patch. <laughs> <laughs> the Weekly World Bulletin, America's new source. I paused the scene here, tried to get any information from the Fontland the magazine. There's nothing. There's no information on any of the other magazines. No dates. No locations. Nothing. Um, I tried very hard. They speak in an unknown language. This language is Esperanto. I am not going into the history of Esperanto, but it is a made-up um, actual language that several 100,000 people speak all around the world Um, we'll get into that a bit more later as Whistler leaves we see the world's worst stakeout from the most pointless FBI agents they're literally sitting in a car on the very road he's just walked down he had to pass them and see them plain as day there's no way they were hidden I just uh,
1: I don't understand as well why Whistler wouldn't notice someone watching him. Considering yeah. vampires are after him all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It really got got under my craw. Anyway. Uh back home Whistler has a go at Blade for his newfound celebrity. Directly under the story about the alligator eating an entire family. Um, back uh this is filmed a lot from behind on Blade. Which is where we start seeing the obvious use of stand-ins. Because um, he, he says very little as well. Cut to a BMX. A skateboard. Some teen vampire layabouts openly talking about who they want to eat. There's a crowd of loads of people and they're just talking out loud, as loud as possible, who they want to eat. Like, what are they are going to do? Attack one person and then be able to do something about, you know, the people fighting them off? Because there's too many people there. That's not going to work out. Vampires in these series, as you know, are as flimsy as can be. Like, everything kills them very easily. So they've got no chance. Anyway. Suspension disbelief. They stalk and then attack a young woman. Uh, they find her uh, on Waterfront Station. I looked up Waterfront Station, because that's a start. There's one Waterfront Station in Washington DC and there's also a couple other possibles in Canada now the film is filmed in Canada but this is clearly meant to be in America or heavily implied to be in America Um, again it has no stated location aside from Syria earlier but uh, Waterfront Station in Washington is what we stick to for the moment unless something else comes up they stalk and attack the young woman, snatching her baby from her and taunting her. But wait it's a trap as one of the vampires pull out the baby to reveal a doll with fuck you scrawled on its chest. Suddenly it sprays garlic into the face of the vampire as he collapses to the ground screaming. The distraction kicks off uh, in the distraction, she kicks off the two vampires attacking her and tears off her baggy disguise. It is Jessica Beale. After a fistfight with one vamp, a second vamp attacks to attack, attempts to attack her from behind, but she kills him quickly with something that looks like a bow with a laser string. And I know she has a bow and arrow in this film going in, so I'm just thinking, how on earth do you fire arrows with a bow and arrow with a string that's made of lasers? <laughs> um, she kills the vampires, and as she's done, a train passes and she disappears. Um, any thoughts on that introduction?
1: I mean, it was an okay introduction to her. That's about as much you're going to get from her as well, for the entire film. She's <laughs> that sort of character, like these... They're trying to make her like a powerful heroine, but it's just... She's like a... I guess she's like, she'd be considered a Hulk, Winsley Hulk right now.
0: Yes, true, true. Does she appear in a comic? Does she Is she a comic? Character? She's not a character in the comics. Um, she is invented for the film. Um, but we'll get to who she is properly in a minute. We return to Blade and Whistler. Whistler sits and touches his wedding ring as Blade's stunt double sits in the dark as Wesley Snipes' face is digitally superimposed on his head. Whistler and Blade suddenly decide to meet on an elevated platform where Blade tells Whistler it's what he was afraid of or worried about. Then, windows smash. Boats arrive, the FBI and a small army arrive. Shoots to kill, they say. Swarming the building, this is where things get interesting in the film. Aside from the CGI face. Uh, Blade runs in slow-mo somewhere. Whistler pops out and shoots what naturally are human and police officers so he's shooting to kill these people these are clearly just cops doing their job he's just killing them whatever which is flying in the face of his own advice to Blade earlier Blade on, uh, Blade on the other hand um while Whistler's going around tapping in some sort of code on the computers to shut them down uh, it says data protection uh on all the computers Blade stalks in the rafters somewhere and does nothing computers blow up as Whistler gets shot in the leg Blade finally drops down somewhere and hits some men with his sword sheathed still he doesn't try killing anyone Whistler continues to fight shot again in the shoulder Blade fights Whistler crawls up to a PC he set up and tappity taps on the keyboard Blade still fights... An officer approaches Whistler and says... Move a finger and you're dead... How about this one... He says... Flipping off the guy... Before a timer... And it's not a button... They're like... He's got something in his hand... And it's, it's clearly got a countdown timer... In his hand beeps... And then the building starts blowing up... The FBI guys just... You know... exclaim, Blade... Now inexplicably outside... And on the dock... Alone... Well, surrounded by people who have been knocked over stumbles to his feet and then gives the most hilarious scream in movie history (laughs) I'm assuming you got the same thing where he's just like yeah stands there for a second kind of it was just weird like it's so off it's it's one of the best things I've ever seen (laughs) I just I could not hold back laughing out loud um, and I did not remember it from viewing it before. He's surrounded by many men armed with like high-power rifles. They don't attack him and watch quietly as he slowly sits down. Um, we, sh- we could discuss, but there's more. Cut to a city in the day and then transition to night. So we went from night time, where he's sitting down, to a scene in the daytime, which is a transition scene, which transitioned us back to night again for no reason at all. We cut to the police department. The sign doesn't give us any clues as to where we are, but it does feature English and Esperanto again. So for whatever reason, Esperanto is being brought up a lot. Uh, I know there's a feature in the, the DVD I've got that talks about the use of Esperanto I did not get the chance to sit down and watch that. Um, Maybe it's done just to create sort of a generic nowhere place. Blade in a well lit room. uh, Two FBI agents question uh, question him. Uh, One is called Ray Cumberland and the other is Wilson Hale. Neither of them are characters in the film, in in the comics. Barely characters in the film, to be fair. (laughs) In a terrible scene, they make fun of Blade and vampires. He reveals he's killed 1,182 people and then he finds out Whistler's dead. So, um, before we carry on, it feels like the two guys in the room are not in the room with Wesley Snipes for the bulk of this. So the stuff they're saying is being filmed. You can see them and you can't see him on camera and then you can see him with some sort of outlines of people it's almost like they they did the stuff with them making jokes as filler. Like really bad filler. But you know just to kind of plump it out of it because he wasn't there. Um anyway, we'll continue. The doctor from the TV show walks in unexpectedly and he asks the FBI to leave. They just do without question because you know psychiatrists are higher ranking than the FBI. Uh, and he questions Blade while the cop from the earlier sh- TV show as well watches via a uh, two-way mirror. The doctor asks Blade the date and the president in power, which you'd think is great for us, well, he but just he just says... An help <laughs> um, and he's right, but still. Blade jolts at him eventually after he's talking about vampires and how he had rubber teeth as a kid and all this stuff and we cut immediately to him to walking in to a room with fbi agent one and two and the police commissioner telling them he's psychotic and that he should be transferred the fbi complain and protest but the police commissioner says it's his jurisdiction now so they just leave and we never see them again like you see one of them at the end of the film but not even both of them come back. They just vanish. Like, what was the point of both of those men?
1: I guess filler. <laughs> just to like, try right. and add, pad out the film Because it doesn't so, so need to be there at all. Really? it's <laughs> yeah, no, no, pointless.
0: Um, and these guys appear in the main normal version of the film as well. I'm not just seeing them in the extended cut.
1: No, no they do appear there. Both of them. Oh, okay because <laughs> then it, the surprise guy comes in and they just walk they go oh, okay we're
0: done. Yeah. Um. so uh, that f- scene with Whistler Whistler gets blown up I have a theory about that but I don't know if you would go along with it uh, what do you think is going on there
1: I don't, I don't understand why they killed Whistler so early off unless him and like him and wasting types of a massive falling out on set or something, they couldn't work together. <laughs> maybe,
0: maybe. <laughs> I think something else is going on there. Although that could be part of it still. I think that the Whistler stuff is from a different film, There's a Blade film. This Blade film, but before there was changes and a different Blade film was made. Like almost like they cut out his character completely, and they just used what they could and sort of stapled together scenes, which is why you're seeing Whistler fighting all these guys in body armour, you know, who are made to look like police or whatever, and shooting them, and why Blade is completely separate from him in different areas, fighting them without killing. Like It's almost like these are two different fights pasted together. And could- he's in the film so little because they had the, you know very little of him to use, and so like the stuff with Blade is from a completely different version of the film, and comes from um, all the script problems and all that. Uh, apparently, the original script was far darker and more serious, and they kind of lightened it up a bit, you know, tweaked it. That maybe because Wesley Snipes was being a bit problematic, and they had to lighten it up and tweak it and do what they could with what they had. Um, but it does feel like these are two different films mashed together. Um, which would explain a lot of the cuts and the weird sort of narrative jumps and why these FBI guys don't seem to have a point because maybe they did at some point and then they were gone. Um, yeah, it could be why, actually. It's very strange. But, and you start seeing a lot of that sort of feel during the film. This is the most blatant part of it where you see that there's an issue with it, but that's how it comes across to me. I don't know if it, it's you the know, same for you. And um, clearly that bit where he's sitting cross-legged and he's meditating and his face is in shadow and there's this very distinct triangular cutout of Wesley Snoke's face superimposed onto the guy's, the, the body doubles for body. And like at certain angles, you can see that his forehead gets longer and shorter depending where you're looking at him from. So that's not, it's, it's clearly not his face. It's been stuck on, you know. Which makes you wonder what he was doing at the time, or why he didn't want to be part of it, you know, (laughs) in his trailer. (laughs) Um, Maybe he'd even left production at that point. Uh, He just filmed all his close-ups and gone, you know. Uh, But you don't see the FBI guys again. That was a messy couple of scenes. I mean, how did you feel it played? It, you know, was it still entertaining? You know. I mean, was there anything you can take from it
1: that you liked? Not particularly.
0: I, I kind of appreciate Whistler's final line. Don't move a finger. How about I move this one? You know? Oh yeah. I kinda of like that. Um interesting note, Whistler's dead again. Hey. <laughs> uh, again. I think this is the uh, final uh, time. This time Blade wasn't nearly as emotionally affected by it. Like the first Blade film, you can see he's acting. In this Blade film it's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> his reaction yeah, to his yeah, there. yeah he's dead Ah, done sit down and then like when he finds out he's confirmed he's dead he just sits there quietly you know no reaction on his face maybe he's trying to play up that he's being tough but it's almost like you can see Wesley Snipes isn't really being involved in the film at all at that point Um. anyway we rejoin Blade uh, in the holding room and the doctor comes in and drugs him, and through very heavy-handed storytelling, he reveals that he's a familiar, um, that he knows he's like a, you know, mutant version of a vampire, you know. And then in his dreamlike state, we saw, we see the sci- uh, psychiatrist go into the uh, other room, shake the police commissioner's hand, and oh no, the police commissioner is also a familiar for some reason they're both familiars Um, and then we see Blade drifting in and out and we hear Whistler's voice from this film quotes from bits of other films I think and uh, as he's drifting uh, lift bings and our vampire bad guys turn up dressed as medical professionals Um, to take him away they strut into Blade's holding room and they mock Blade until suddenly a vampire bursts through the mirror and mid-disintegrating. Vampires are knocked aside as a man leaps through. Sorry, turning a page there. Uh, Hello, my name is Fuck You, (laughs) says a sticker (laughs) on his chest. It's Ryan Reynolds as Hannibal King. Nice silver fangs, Triple H, by the way. It's the first time we see them. Uh, King kills two vampires... Slips an inhaler into Blade's mouth, and fights the vampires as Blade recovers. Blade stands up, and saves King by kicking Helmsley and, and booting him through a wall. He grabs his uh, much-needed glasses, and they start to escape. No, you can't have a Blade film without him nope. putting his glasses on, obviously. Although this time it happens off-screen, so. Oh. End of an era. Only filmed once. <laughs> <laughs> The pair pair, fear, the pair fight through the halls and a third character is revealed to be there. It's the girl from earlier. Whistler! King shouts. This way she responds as Blade looks over, quizzically. Eventually the team makes it outside and are picked up by a guy in a souped up station wagon. Blade vanishes for a little while while this is happening and rejoins the pair outside by jumping out of a high window and landing on his feet. Uh, stating he left his sword behind what really happened is he didn't want to film the scenes with him running out and then they just put him in it at the end that um, makes Blade sense that's
1: what I'm thinking why, is he, why did he yeah, just disappear he, like?
0: he could be asked to be there <laughs> you can tell. And Hannibal King introduces himself and Abigail and Play just says Whistler's daughter oh yeah Whistler just died don't worry, no one seems to care at all. I wonder why. <laughs> Maybe it's because Whistler wasn't actually in the film. But uh, Anyway. <laughs> uh, like, both Blade and, and his daughter are there, and they all know sell the fact Whistler's dead. The group arrive home, which is a, like a docked boat and some sort of facility. At least that's the way, the way it looks like a yacht, but it's actually some sort of dockland sort of building I couldn't really tell it's a weird because the way it's shot it's hard to see what it is um uh Abby is Whistler's kid out of wedlock she says which she says in such a really sort of dry and uninteresting way yep I was born out of wedlock oh fair enough um she she hunted him down and asked to to become a hunter and then she'd been a vampire hunter from the moment she met him uh, funny they both know Cell Whistler but okay. And the fact I that Whistler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the driver is Dex. Pat Oswald is here. Um he's Hedges and Summerfield, blind lady, uh built blades in Halo. apparently. Uh her daughter is Zoe, she's outside. Um If she built the inhaler and Whistler gave Blade the inhaler. That means Whistler went there recently and got the new inhaler. Yeah. And still nobody's bothered by the fact that Whistler's dead. Anyway. Um, I did mean to research the Night Stalkers, but Night Stalkers is a comic book series from Marvel Comics. Um, it featured lots of different crossovers of different um, supernatural characters. Sometimes Ghost Rider would be in it, Blade was in it, you know, people like that. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Night because I should really research it at some point. So, Blade slags off a lot of them, especially King for how he dresses in a protective vest, which is rich from the guy who in sh- who's always wearing shades and with a big black leather duster with red lining. But anyway, <laughs> his it's, costume it's, looks
1: ridiculous in this one. His Blade's costume.
0: Yeah. Like all their, their, their costumes, costumes look pretty practical,
1: practical now. This one just looks like so out of place from yeah. last films. Like <laughs> yeah,
0: the, yeah, the other films, films, it kind of worked. worked yeah. now, now it's just, just it's just sore, sore thumb, thumb sort so of so syndrome. So you all think this is a joke? This is a fucking sitcom, which makes me think this isn't Blade, but this is Wesley Snipes slagging off the script. Maybe they took something he said and rewrote it into the script. I don't know. He asked them how they know uh, how they know about vampire hunting. Like, we didn't see, one, them kill several vampires already with, a, with quite good skill. Like, she deflects an arrow off a wall around a corner. Um, and two, she's Whistler's daughter, so she was trained to kill vampires by the person who trained Blade to kill vampires. Um, and,
1: and he built an inhaler for him. So they, know he's yeah. half vampire, so like. they
0: know enough about vampire <laughs> killing to have killed some in front of him. And he still doesn't believe they know about killing vampires. Um King says that he used to be a vampire as well. And he shows us his pubes. <laughs> um how do you feel about this introduction to the team?
1: I thought it was okay, but then I'm wondering why do they, why do they if they have a kill for vampires, why do they kill him? Should they be like making all vampires human? Technically,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard to get convinced vampires to stay still long enough to inject them. I suppose. I guess
1: so. But they have the cure for it. So, oh, I suppose it
0: depends how far along they are, and whether or not, um, they know who the vampires. are Maybe they knew King already. That's why they saved him. We get again suspension of disbelief. This is this is it's a very, very bad, bad film. film. I, I can't, can't do, do a lot, lot to, to stretch, stretch the logic <laughs> here, but I'm doing what I can.
1: can. I think the introduction is okay, but apart from where these types just kind of buries them straight away. So you kind of yeah, feel like. Right. Th-
0: I think, uh, you know, we'll get onto some of this later, but I think the rest of the cast do a fine job with what they're given. It hopes, so. yeah. Um, right. Uh, but generally, you know, this is all right. This is it's only a qu- you know, introduction scene. You know, there's a handful of characters introduced. Uh, all of the cast are actually good actors. Cut to the villainous hideout where they explain about King. And after putting an hour over his eye, uh, Triple H makes a comment about ass rape. Sorry, ass rape. Which came out of nowhere. They didn't beat us, they ass raped us. And I'm just like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) That was needless. Anyway. uh, Dracula arrives and says... He's joining the game. Where the fuck has he been this whole time? <laughs> been chilling. Like, he's just like, I'll just stand around. I'm the most terrifying creature in vampire history. I'm just going to, whatever. I'll just wait till now to join in again, which implies he was a later addition. I mean, it did become Blade versus Dracula later in the production. Uh, and that's one of the things that Snipes didn't like about the film but reportedly um, meanwhile on the boat King gives a rundown on his ex-vampire ex-vampire ex yeah he's an ex-vampire and she's a vampire ex anyway uh, Danica her brother Asher and Triple H Grimwood which makes me sound like a Harry Potter character they also give Blade the lowdown on uh, Dracula And the thing they show him first is a comic book called Tomb of Dracula as a prop, which is a remake of the first issue of the Tomb of Dracula, which means Marvel comics exist in this universe, which is just confusing. Uh, And so does Bram Stoker, actually. Uh, Anyway, we get a CGI cutscene telling us about drake and how he's born in ancient samaria and uh, there is an opening scene it was six months ago according to them so we know that whenever this is set the scene we saw at the beginning six months before it but we don't know when either of these dates are so we still have nothing to work on so my assumption is when i finally get round to adding this to a timeline if i because i'm not going to figure it out today because that's impossible i think but I'm going to add the bulk of the film as the date of the film coming out, and then six months before when we be that first scene, more or less. Um, we then cut away from the discussion about Dracula to find Drake walking in slow mo as everybody else is walking at high speed, which makes me think they filmed it at normal speed, but he was walking incredibly slowly <laughs> <laughs> just in the street. ...to film this. The time-lapse... ...clouds drift overhead... ...and he visits a novelty shop. Yes, Dracula's gone to visit... ...the novelty shop on the corner... ...and the people inside... ...tell him about... uh, ...Dracula soft toys... ...and Dracula dildos... ...amongst other things. Why?
1: I don't know. I don't. I don't know why the scene he was in like the film at being, all. It makes him being, him seeing all the Dracula
0: like stuff. And him being offended by it is one thing, but it's just like he no sells. He's not. He's not really doing any acting. And then he just, you know, kills a couple of people, and again, it feels like filler. It does because
1: it's, it's pointless. It doesn't <laughs> develop anything about Jack. Like literally nothing. It's just, it's just there to, to be there. Like,
0: yeah, and it's like. It's not like this was in the extended cut and I saw it. It was in the main film. Yeah. So what's the plumping stuff? What's the extra stuff I'm seeing? Unless, of course, they lied about it being an extended cut. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we're back to the boat base place. The team talks about vampires' plans uh, and how they're losing the battle. They talk about using bio-weapons to turn the tide. They need a sample of Dracula's blood. Dracula. Uh, next, they go over to the group's gear room, and they're shown the UV arc, a UV laser device. So it's not a bow and arrow, it's a weird laser device. Um, for some reason. Like, why do you need all these high-tech versions of just a, light, a flashlight?
1: it's half the the brightness of the sun as well
0: (laughs) just just showing off off. (laughs) Uh, next we move on to an investigation montage Blade uh, Blade takes uh, Ryan Reynolds out in a car and she's in the back of the car and she's making playlists for her iPod Um, do you know which model of iPod this is no because I can't remember exactly which one uh, I can't tell what laptop it is. It's an Apple sort of Mac sort of laptop thing, but you don't see quite which one it is. Um, I couldn't see the uh, build number of iTunes, so I couldn't date that either. And um, the car, is like a GMC, but it doesn't say, you know, I don't know which model that is. That's very American. You see that in all of like the Marvel movies. Yep. I love that make. Yeah. Like it's, it's just business. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., GMC. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, you can see some of the tracks she's adding, the ones she selected. Um, several of them are from Jurassic Five's third album, Power in Numbers, which was released in 2002. Which means this is definitely set after 2002. I.e. set after Blade 2. Um... But that's all I've got to work on at this point. I'm still finding no evidence of a specific date or time period. Um, we see loads of scenes of them hunting and beating up people who are friendly with vampires, and then somebody topples off of a parking lot. And is that the parking garage from The Dark Knight?
1: You see, I thought now. Well, I've watched. <laughs> it, I was like, wait, a minute. <laughs> this is almost exactly like The Dark Knight's copy. Of this.
0: Blade was called The Dark Knight In Blade 2 By dangling a familiar From the top floor Blade uh, Finally gets The good doctor From earlier On the phone Um, Then he just Drops the guy And kills him anyway Uh, You think he's You hear him land You assume he's dead
1: Oh yeah He's surviving now
0: The group track down The good doctor But wait It's not the doctor It's Drake The the vampire, (laughs) the the vampire, not the hip hop star. He uh, he shoves the desk and grabs King. He taunts Blade and then stabs King in the chest with a stake and then runs. Blade chases after him. After a while, eventually, King grabs a baby and runs to a rooftop nearby. Blade meets him there. He discusses things with Blade before tossing the baby in the air and running away. Blade does a little flip and grabs the baby and looks down at it and it's not the most charming looking child I've ever seen. <laughs> and he just goes, Kuchiku. And we cut. I don't
1: understand um, why Jack... Why was Jack one? run? There was almost halfway round...
0: Well, you know, he's taunting him. He's playing with him. I think it's intent. Um, okay. And he's got three people there who could fight him at the same time. You know when they finally do fight, they're not... He's not super powerful. He's still... You find the film... All of these films, to be honest, the vampires aren't much stronger than human beings. They just can live long. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. He should be more powerful, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> if he's Dracula. But... So um, they
1: build him up to be more powerful. Other vampires are like... Days, yeah. You know he can walk. He can go out in the daylight as well. Yeah, so he's, yeah, yeah. It, um, he's, he's got eyes, but
0: he's got weird, weird bone structure that means he can change shape. shape. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. We get to Abigail. She's patching up King by injecting him with some sort of polyfiller. Um, before we see her uh, back at the base. Um, so for some reason, we listen to scenes from Blade 1 of here, of Whistler talking about when the vampire arrived at his house and taunted him and made him decide which one of his kids would be killed first and all that. But it's been repurposed to make it look like that isn't from Blade 1. That's what he said to Abigail when he met her. <laughs> By <laughs> adding an I- extra line which is this: I never wanted this life for you. And I'm um, just like but... W- Anybody who's seen the first film knows what that that is. That's oh, anyway. And then, for some reason, we watch for a very long time as she sits down completely naked in the shower. That makes sense, evil? Where did she get all the blood from, as well? He was only stabbed in the chest once. It's not her blood.
1: Maybe she's not like killing vampires.
0: No, because they dust, don't they? I know. <laughs> Where's all I... this blood come from? Why is she just sitting there nude? Like, narratively, it makes no sense. I it's understand it came from
1: someone Like,
0: maybe, but even then, like, I understand why it's really in there, which is they've got an attractive girl to be nude in a shower in the middle of their film, so people will watch their film a bit more. You know, it's like the lowest sort of common denominator quality it's filmmaking. It, I feel really uncomfortable with it now. I felt uncomfortable with it ten years ago when I saw it the first time. Um, it's much worse now. Um I was just like why? Why have you put this in? You could have had a walker walking in, like dealing with cleaning herself up and had that bit with Whistler and then just completely cut the shower a bit. You know, all this dramatic music and it's kind of looking at her skin longingly. It's just like it feels really bad. Um but that's just my opinion. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will probably agree at this point. Like things have changed. To be fair, it was different. I suppose. I mean, fair here. enough.
1: If you see her fighting loads of people, and she's getting loads of blood over. Her, but like, she, it just makes no sense. Why Even then, a short, it. a short, a short shower. Yeah, Like fine, very yeah. Short
0: scene where she's cleaning herself off. But this is like slowly look at her body, look at different parts of her. Uh, sitting down with her feet just in front of her vagina (laughs) so you can imagine where it could be you know see almost all of her but not anything at all like it's just really just weird and makes me wonder what the director was thinking as he was making it anyway Um, as King recovers uh, he's watching a black and white film the film (laughs) is called Incubus it was recorded and made in 1966, entirely in Esperanto, and stars William Shatner. It's like this film that was lost and found relatively recently. But yeah, they're they really leaning in on the Esperanto thing. Um, and it's interesting, Like the fact this film exists makes me want to watch this film. you know. Um, Blade and Abby visit, and they discuss what happens if they win. Blade just turns around and walks out. King, sorry, sorry, I mean Ryan Reynolds, says he hates me, doesn't he? Yeah, she says. Again, this is clearly Ryan Reynolds talking about Wesley Snipes.
1: Yep. Um, <laughs> breaking that third wall, like God, kn-
0: God knows why, that's why like, Wesley Snipes had such a problem with him, but I like that they're definitely putting it in the film and saying it, you know, for people who know, post. We cut to a car driving down a country uh, remote-looking lane. It rolls up to a large warehouse and out steps the chief of police of wherever we are. Um, A lady waits for him. You wanted to see me, he asks. We've got trouble. She states before Blade and Abigail step out of the dark. They demand to know what's in the building um, and what they're doing. The lady vampire attacks after saying, you know what we're doing. But uh, Abigail quickly dispatches her and gives her a sort of shrug. Blade moves on to the chief and convinces him to open it by you know, saying, what's in the building? And he says, I can't tell you, they'll kill me. And in one of the two fi- parts of the film that I liked... Whereas his nice performance as an actor, he just says, You're a motherfucker, I'll kill you, and I'll enjoy it more. <laughs> you get the other side. Uh, one of my favourite scenes with him is him dangling that guy, oh, that and phone that phone ringing, ringing, and, ringing. and they're, they're looking ringing. around, and he's oh, just yeah. going, Oh, it's for you. You know. Because it seems like he's got a personality for a second or two there. That's when he's enjoying the film. When he's enjoying yeah, the film. Just that line. <laughs> Maybe he's high at that point. They open the building up. And inside, when they turn the lights on, are hundreds of vacuum sealed people being used as blood donors. The chief says they're brain dead. Um, and that they could produce something between 50 and 100 pints of blood. Um, Blade then lets the chief run, telling him he's got 20 seconds before just saying 20 and shooting him in the back. He then convinces a woman who's manning the computers in the building to shut down the entire site, and they leave. I don't know about you, but I think this might be the strongest scene in the film. You see, I really like
1: this idea as well.
0: Like, like. like just the idea, the pacing, the setup, how it's performed, her reaction when she sees all the bodies, um, the visual... Quality is really good as well. Like they look like they've been sealed into like these big, like pl- like action figures being sealed up and hung up in the shop. You know, um, it's really striking. Uh, and it makes
1: sense as well for vampires to kind of
0: yeah thing. yeah. We kind of address this in the second film when they talk about killing that the, the lead villain in that, and how he's got a red blood type. And it's like why why would you kill Somebody with the rarest blood type in the world when you could keep the blood for yourself, you know. And this kind of probably comes from somebody saying something like that to the writer director at that point. Um, but it is a striking scene, I think.
1: The blood bank,
0: yeah. The blood, yes. Uh, Isn't the blood bank the name of the place in the second film? I don't know. I don't know. I I think this is one of the strongest scenes, anyway. And I think, even though you dislike Ryan Reynolds and some of the stuff he says, I think the scene coming up with him in it is a stronger scene as well, just as an entertainment sort of piece. But we'll get to that. Back at the Night Stalker's base, we find the guys playing basketball. Right, basketball, but still. Uh, bedtime stories being read um, and King in bed recovering um, she's reading uh, one of the Oz books, it's mentioned which book it is, I can't remember offhand, hand but it's the basis for Return to Oz, the film um, that was released in like late 80s what, you know, the, the one Oz film everybody thinks is really scary and weird which I appreciate ...scarier than Bladis, anyway. Oh, and who is that? Why, it's Whistler! Uh, paying everybody a visit.
1: Wow. Well, is it Whistler? Or is it Van? Is it
0: Dracula? <laughs> is it away again? <laughs> he appears next to King... ...and then smothers him... ...with his hand. Before he does, King's like... Y- ...you're dead which is interesting because the way I see his scene seeing Whistler is maybe this was the only scene he was supposed to be in and that he was dead before the film starts and then he turns up and that's why it's less of a startling shock more of a confused shock On his part, like, he doesn't seem like he's recently dead. He seems like he's somebody who's been dead a while, you know. Anyway. um, Summerfield heads off to find what's going on after her daughter Zoe tells her the lights are flickering because she can't see, so she doesn't know, obviously. After some convincing, she tells Zoe to hide and she wanders through the base. Uh, She arrives on the basketball court uh, finding well not noticing the guys are dead but she probably knows she you know, probably senses something's wrong and then she wanders through the base uh, and eventually there's a tense scene where she is sort of confronted by Drake you see him as Whistler and then you see him as Drake um, and then off, off camera you hear her scream eventually Drake finds Zoe in an air vent and while snarling, he reaches out to her, and you see his fingers start to stretch, and then cut. We we see uh, soon after we see Blade and Abigail arriving, at the base to find King gone, the lights are out, and the rest dead. As Abigail uh, grieves while holding Summerfield, Blade just repeats the phrase, "Use it," which. I don't know how it was intended. It could be that he's saying, use the pain to drive you to do things. Um, Which is most likely, or maybe what was intended. But his, his way of saying it sounds different because he's almost demanding that she do something in the moment. Which makes it sound like she's found, maybe it was intended that she'd found Summerfield and she'd been bitten. And he's trying to convince her to put her out of her misery or kill her. And then the scene was retooled or whatever. I think it's probably the the intent is that, you know, use the pain. But it, it's played so weirdly that you can't tell, you know.
1: I was confused as well. I was like, use
0: what? Yeah. Um, it, it's just the way he says it, I think. That's the problem. Uh, when they find the body on the pras- plastic tarp or... Maybe it's like sort of curtains hanging down. There's a phrase written. Um, the phrase is immortality, or quote, I'll say. Immortality will come to such, are, uh, to such as are fit for it. The real full quote is by Ralph Waldo Emerson and reads, Immortality will come to such as are fit for it and... He who would be a great soul in the future must be a great soul now, which is sort of, depending on your interpretation of it, is sort of saying, you know, how you carry yourself now is how you is how you end up being remembered, and how you you're, you know, you're immortalised in the future by others, you know, being kind, being good you'll be remembered as kind of good. Um, it comes from an essay given by Mr. Emerson to the Parker Fraternity in the Music Hall in Boston in December 29th, 1861. Oh. How did Drake know this quote if he's been asleep for millennia? Maybe
1: in his six months of reading books.
0: Yeah, maybe. That's all he's done. That's why he wasn't involved earlier in the film. I've got to catch up on all these books. I don't know the language, but I'm going to read them anyway. Um, these aren't written in weird caster form. Oh, yeah, anyway, I don't know the language actually. Yeah, yeah. Point. <laughs> I mean, he's he's clearly quite intelligent, but I assume it takes a while to learn any language. And why would he specific? Oh, anyway, I mean, he could speak English, so we're really splitting hairs at this point. Um. What do you think of all this set up? Because we're coming into the closing straight now.
1: I mean, I don't like I don't I do not like the fact that he disposed of the team like so easily though. Mm. This vampire hunting squad is meant to be like.
0: To be fair, this is the equivalent of the supervillain turning up at MI six and, and killing Q and Miss Moneypenny, you know, not killing any of the actual agents. Is that true? Um and he is Dracula. He's supposed to be like the supreme vampire. Maybe this is the best way we can show it. What did you think of the stretchy fingers?
1: That was just like hoky. <laughs>
0: like, oh, let me get your child. Yeah, I like the the like the weirdness of it. You know, it's the closest thing you get to with a proper horror film sort of thing. Yeah, I it? guess yeah. So. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like a scary scene. No. And if they were trying for that, it's, you know, out of place with the tone of the rest of the film, which is also already all over the place. So, anyway. Uh, back at Bad Guy Tower, Ki- King wakes up to a vampire Pomeranian called Pac Man licking his face. I do like the name of Pac Man. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my other favourite scenes, I think like ignoring the fact that some of the writing isn't great for King I think he's really chewing the scenery you've got Triple H really chewing the scenery like who the hell sh- when did you get to see my dick <laughs> you know and then kick him in the face um, and then you've got Parker Posey just hamming it up as hard as anybody has ever hammed anything up in her life um, so I, I enjoy that scene because the three of them are really kind of overacting as much as possible. Um, they torture him somewhat to try and find out what Blade's plan is. And uh, they bring in the little girl, Zoe, uh, what well, is Dracula does. I like how Dracula is now playing second fiddle to all these sort of Z-list celebrity vampires. Like, <laughs> Just kind of waddles in, holding the little girl like, there you go. Doesn't even have a line. It's amazing. Which makes me think he was just kind of cut and pasted into the film. Um, Last minute thing. Yeah, and and she is a better, a better villain. villain, like as a character. She's a ridiculous. She's over the top. She has just a stupid sort of personality quirks and stuff. Like that scene where they walk into the cell where Blade is being held, and she's asking him about his tattoos, and she's like, "Do they mean anything?" And then she kind of mumbles to herself, "Stupid," as if she's not calling him stupid, but calling herself stupid. Like she's embarrassed by herself. Things like that. Like there's lots of character work being done there. Um, so I, th- I prefer if Dracula was not involved as well, but you know, it is what it is. And I think he's fine. He, he does a fine job. It's all right. <laughs> um, we cut to Abigail. Um, she's preparing her bow and arrow as blade asks if she's okay. She's, you know, she says about what motivates her and how she's got a, a dagger of pain in her heart or something like that. Um, and she says, as long as she's got it in there, she's invincible. If she takes it out. She'll just die. And Blade just completely no-sells us and walks away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, whatever, walks away. It's like, whatever. He's like, fuck,
0: Fucking teenagers. I don't know. Walks off. Um, she trains a bit, uses her bows and arrows. Makes a little cross, one of the targets, with arrows for no reason. Um... And then suddenly a friend arrives from another base. He collects them both and takes them to his base and then hands them a bio-virus arrowhead that they've managed to make. Then they watch a video of Summerfield who explains to Blade um, that they didn't have the time to refine it so he could get sick and die as well. We rejoin Drake with Zoe. He sits down with her and talks to her about um, who she thinks he is and she says he's the Gnome King Um, and he offers her immortality which she turns down by just saying my friends are coming to kill you after a tooling up montage with Blade and Abby they get on a bike and have a nice little ride to head to the final confrontation between the vampires and them Meanwhile, the vampires continue to beat up King. Um, he attempts to warn them that his friends are coming, but the vampires are so arrogant they don't believe him anyway, until atomized silver is pumped through the air vents and they breathe it in, so much so that Hunter Hurst helmsley is vomiting fire, which is a <laughs> sentence that I never thought I'd say in my life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just think that's a bit stupid, of I was like, "Why is
0: he blowing fire in his mouth?" Well, you know, it's they dissolve and turn into flames when they die, don't they? So it's just like it's starting to happen, but not quite. They're fighting it off. It's just a bit of fun, really. Um, Abby arrives and frees King after Blade has turned up and completely no sold his existence before booting Hunter Hurst Helmsley through a doorway for the second time in this film. I'm just going to keep on. I'm going to keep on calling him Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I don't care.
1: I'm just working with Triple H in this film. That's it. I'll attack um, him all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Before heading off, Abby frees King, and also joins in and killing lots of vampires with Blade. Uh, at one point, Blade does his classic grab by somebody by the throat and ripping it out. Vampire kill. Uh, more fighting happens. More dead vampires. Abby frees Zoe. Um, and then kills one vampire with the arc laser thing, so it has its big moment. And that's it. That's the payoff to the arc laser is killing one vampire. Um, well, two technically, if you count the first kill earlier. Um, King bumps into the vampire dogs. Now there's three of them. Two of them are riders to be fair, but he escapes them by running away and dangling off a, a sort of pole at the end of the building. And they just fall off the roof for no reason. Because they're doing too, going too fast, I think, is the idea. They just skid and crash through some glass and die. Well, land in the lobby. They're probably still alive. I don't know. How do vampires work? Um, vampire dogs are hard enough, you know. Anyway. The dogs just drop off the building. his hubris comes back to him as he topples backwards cracks his head on a bar and falls back directly into the cell he just escaped from which is is actually a funny bit of acting for him like the the, you know overacting when it comes to the one-liners is one thing but the kind of physical stuff and that sort of little joke of it paying off with him just landing in exactly the same situation he was already in just like you know I liked that that was alright um Triple H turns up good old hunter and he's like have you seen my dog what does he call him something like dick face oh yeah Um, and he's like have you tried the lobby and then he just grabs him and starts beating him up Uh, meanwhile Abby shoots a fuse box for some reason I don't know why they need to fight in the dark but okay uh, and Blade finally bumps into Drake for the final sword fight. After, uh, in the middle of a fight with Triple H, uh, who gets his arm broken, and a power slam, oh, he yeah, finally... Like yeah, that was nice, and he power slams him on sort of uh, a... That, that metal plate as well, making it even harder, you know. There had to be a bit of wrestling in there. It's probably in his contract. <laughs> um. um he finally beats Triple H with a bullet to his mouth. He kind of jams an explosive UV bullet into his mouth and cracks it on his teeth. Um, and then he kind of dissolves and falls backwards between the slats in the wall. That sort of weird design that was going on. And I like that. So that his body just kind of gets chopped into pieces. Um, meanwhile, Abby kills the last few vampires, including Danica's brother, I think, is the last major vampire she kills uh, while Drake is still fighting Blade to a standstill Eventually, eventually they lose their swords and they fight barehanded with Drake turning back into his demon form for the final fight Abby takes aim with her arrow and fires but Drake catches it in his right hand Blade gives him a kick and Abby shoots him with another arrow so that Blade can finally stab him in the abdomen with the arrowhead and inject the virus into his bloodstream quickly he collapses to his knees and vomits out blood into the air which is a weird visual loads of just red blood cells flying around and what like little little spider things yeah, diving like into blue them colour, or white yeah. well they t- in this in this cut of the film they're black I don't know if it's different for you. Um, And then Drake collapses, and we watch as several vampires start falling down. One runs along and then slides along a walkway, uh, and they all start dying of this disease, which saves King at the last minute as Danica's strangling him. She gets infected and finally collapses and dies. Uh, Goodbye, Parker Posey vampire. Goodbye all vampires in this world, technically. Well, you know, depends how well it spreads. I mean, a virus... (coughs) As we've sadly learned in recent news, a virus needs to spread between people. And if it just kills all the vampires instantaneously, how is it going to transmit to another group of vampires? That's what I
1: understand about the entire plan, but I guess...
0: Maybe maybe Blade's uh, a vector for it. Who knows? Um... Drake talks to Blade, finally, in their final scene together. Uh, He is talking about how he doesn't need to live because Blade is the future of the vampire species. That Blade fought with Vonner, which he didn't. Um, Blade and Abby both attacked him at the same time and she shot him from behind and while he was distracted, Blade stabbed him in the abdomen. There was no honour in that. That's that's not a one-on-one fight. That's not taking his head off with a sword. It's, you know. It was cheating. It's technically cheating. <laughs> anyway, he thinks it's honourable. He says, allow me to leave you with a parting gift. But remember the thirst always wins. And then he dies. And from what you can see, he doesn't leave him with any sort of parting gift. Maybe the sentence was meant to be his parting gift. We'll get onto that in a minute. Anyway. Abby and King find Blade. And then the FBI turn up. The, the guys have vanished. They walk around. Look at the scene. And they find Blade's body by itself. In the aftermath of everything. Drake is vanished. Now... We cut finally to an autopsy scene or what looks like it's going to be an autopsy. Blade in this scene wakes up and decides to attack all of the doctors and it stops with him standing in front of another doctor who's kind of cowering in a corner. We cut to a voiceover in the sea with um, with King saying the Blade slept. It did not kill him his heart slowed down and he's waiting to rejoin the world with the rest of the world and start doing his job again. You know, something along those lines. I've seen this film three times in the last 48 hours and I still don't remember the last line. Cut to credits. We get a post credit scene. In this extended cut, the post credit scene is Blade driving his car down the street. And that's it. Now we should quickly go over a couple of things here. Note one, Drake vanished, Blade was left behind. You'd think Abby and King took Blade. So it may be implied that Drake turned into Blade and that was his parting gift.
1: Well, on my version of the film, that's exactly what happened. So Blade is there, they go to the corny where the autopsy is and the body mm-hmm. shifts from Blade to Drake's body. So, yeah. just, so I guess in the original cut it was actually in that was actually the actual me of you know, because that's what I saw on my the film I watched. So Blade's body is transformed into Drake's body.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. In this cut.
1: They look what? They're like, What?
0: <laughs> and then and then does he attack them?
1: No no, it's just dead and it it shows a picture of Blade standing there and then it says the first is always out of there or something the first always wins and it just cuts the credit
0: interesting, interesting. <laughs> um, so in this version this is this is where things are quite famous actually so based on what I could see the position of the bodies uh, Drake's body and Blade's body the body that's left behind Drake is taken away or disappears Abby and King disappear Blade doesn't move that is definitely Blade's body Unless Unless Drake got up up, Moved over over, Collapsed collapsed, Changed changed into blade, Blade And then allowed himself to be taken away Then stood up still as Blade And attacked all the people in the room Which is weird Anyway Other note about this Famously This is one of the most infamous scenes In the production of the film Because Wesley Snipes refused to open his eyes while they were filming the autopsy scene. Watch If you get the chance to watch it online, I would, because it's not on your version of the film, apparently. Wesley Snipes has CGI eyes Super superimposed on, on his eyelids. eyelids to show his eyes opening, um, which is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And then it's his body double, I think, doing the fighting which may explain why they transferred him into Drake in the main version of the film, because it didn't look quite right. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Um, But you also mentioned that there's a final scene involving a werewolf.
1: That's in the alternate ending, though, so I guess...
0: So it's just on the the extras.
1: Yeah, like alternate endings. There's a scene where, like... It's not not Blader's king and... yeah. 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 See, like, they're going to type.
0: It's a, it's a casino. Casino's the one, yeah. And then like this guy's like, all the vampires are dead, and um, he's like, what do you get when you cross a vampire with a werewolf? And then the werewolf bursts out, and there's a joke that I forget. And she's like, I found him, and then they fight him, or they look like they're about to fight it. It looks, it looks like, like quite, quite a like like goofy, goofy shoddy yeah. sort of werewolf, but it's also kind of tongue-in-cheek, sort of fun-looking scene. Um, obviously, it wasn't used, so it's not main canon. Like like the original Blade and having Morpheus, the vampire, in the background, you know, it could have been, but it wasn't. Now, this scene was supposed to be in the film as a setup for a spin-off that was going to be about the Night Stalkers. You know, so, like, a, a comic book version of their... like, their film of that version of that comic book, you yeah. know. Which would have been interesting, it could have been cool, because, to be fair, despite a few flaws, the those two and the rest of the team, all those characters, we pretty much carry the best parts of the film. You know, and they're good designed action characters, they've got interesting skill set, they're more modern, they, like they this film on a visual and design sense especially for the characters ages better when you look at modern films now modern Marvel comics films especially yeah some of the writing could be worked on but the whole film could be worked on in the writing area to be fair yeah, so, it that you
1: know. it was actually wanted to partake in the film yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: so you know um what do you think of the film generally
1: i mean to me it's the weakest out of the free play films, I don't mind. It's like a middle of the road film. I can watch it. I could watch it again, but it's,
0: it's generic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I appreciate certain elements of it, but yeah, it's not. It's not a great film. No, it's not great, film, film. but it's, it's watchable. watchable. It's watchable. You could, yeah. you could you could watch it once in twenty four hours and not mind. You <laughs> could probably watch it with a
1: group not- of people and laugh at it as well. Sort of the
0: Especially with the, the grieving scene Where he sees the the building explode And he just reacts like the way he does It's amazing um, That probably makes it worthwhile I think it's worth watching Because now you know the history About what was going on in the background of the film That you've got a new Sort of appreciation of what's going on And How problematic he may be being Behind the scenes And that makes it a curiosity um, yeah, and you can see that kind of, like the development path like this film isn't great, but the seeds are there for what becomes the modern comic book film, you know that's refined and made better anyway. Post release, we've got a couple of interesting notes before we finish up. Uh, number one, in October 2008, Blade director Stephen Norrington, the original Blade director, was direct developing a prequel trilogy to Blade oh. that would, would have, have feature featured Stephen Dorff Dorf reprising his role as Deacon Frost. Obviously, that, obviously that never came, came to fruition. To fruition. Yeah. But that would have been. Interesting. Um, I don't know how that would have worked. Like a prequel film maybe, but prequel trilogy?
1: Yeah, that's a a lot.
0: Yeah. In 2016, which is really recently, Underworld actress Kate Beckinsale stated that a crossover sequel to Blade Trinity with the Underworld film series had been in development but was cancelled after the film rights reverted to Marvel Studios in 2012. So we almost, at some point, almost got an Underworld Blade film.
1: Yeah, I don't like that. I I quite like... I know the Underworld films are terrible, but I kind of have a...
0: The first one's alright. I've not seen a lot of the other ones. I've seen all of them. Oh, okay.
1: They're they're my guilty
0: pleasure. I know they're bad, but I like watching them. We're, we're, said, not gonna, we're not going to we're not going to watch any of them anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough vampires for now. <laughs> but that is a fascinating idea, and the fact that it got far enough along that she was involved, because obviously, um, Snipes had some, you know, producer rights on the Blade series after the second one started. Um, another interesting tidbit: in two thousand and five. Wesley Snipes sued New Line Cinema and David Goyer, claiming that the studio did not pay his full salary and that he was intentionally cut out of casting decisions and the filmmaking process, despite being one of the the producers, and that his character's screen time was reduced in favour of Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel.
1: He really did hit Ryan Reynolds, didn't he?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well to be fair he chose not to be in many of the scenes what could they do with the guy if he's not turning up you know they've got to feel the time hmm?
1: you know we won that court case I, I haven't seen, seen it, but,
0: oh. but feel free to quickly look we're recording it's time you did some research quickly to see if you can find out Blade uh, Trinity 2005 like um, court case yeah see if you can find anything out while we're waiting um, one final little note: on Rotten Tomatoes' uh, site, the film sits at a rating of. Would you like to guess what percentage of film sits at?
1: Uh, I'm guessing. A Thirty something.
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. It's actually sitting at twenty six percent. Critic score, with an audience score of fifty nine percent. So it's officially a rotten movie. Obviously, we watched what well, I watched the extended cut, so maybe that's considered even more uh, unfavorably. Um, I don't know. But yes, this film was a chore to go through. It was. <laughs> Have you found anything out? See, so you're going to feel what it's like to do all this research now. Again. <laughs> It literally did take me three days to dig through everything, write all the scenes down. And I was rushing for the last third as well. I skipped so much stuff. Like all the scenes are there, but little bits here and there that I could have been put in. I just there was so much to go through. There was research I'm intended to do, like I say for the Night Stalkers comic book and a couple of other bits in there. I bet you they settled out of court in the end. Yeah, I can't find anything that says whether or not he won. Curious. Maybe before the next series I'll try and find out and we can have an update. But I think we're done with that. I think we need a rest from vampires now. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, fair enough um, Thank you for joining me On this uh, Initial three episode series Took a while to get through All the films But um, it's been an interesting ride How have you felt about this?
1: It's kind of made me realise That my childhood memory of Blade Is a bit I guess
0: Was a bit overhyped
1: I guess Because <laughs> I always think they were quite amazing films And then after you watch them all The first one's My favourite one. The other two are just... Almost two totally different films.
0: Mm. You can see there's... A a very distinct style with the second one. But... Again, it's a studio film that's kind of... A bit all over. How things have changed. There are still films that aren't as good... As they could be coming out. But... If it wasn't for these films... This the the world of cinema would be very different I think of course if we were or the show was to cover another film series or something along those lines like a TV show in the future what would your suggestion be? let me
1: think I guess it would have to be quite how long, how long of a TV series are you talking about though?
0: It could be as long as you want. I mean, the way I'd think about it is three or four, probably just three episodes at the most per podcast episode. Because obviously this is a pilot series, but the, the main show, when we get into it, will be several longer series per, you know, thing we're covering. So, say 10 to 20 episodes, maybe, depending on what it is obviously if you were to turn around and say to me the Marvel Cinematic, Cinematic Universe, universe oh, I that's, that's too, too big, big no, no, no. That at this, this time. time but you know there's plenty of other shows and series that go along on a sort of timeline so it would be interesting to see if you was something you were interested to see looked at
1: can it be any time like can it be the future that like, way far future the, the, the past, past. All, all of history is going to be covered in this head?
0: mate oh.
1: I say a show like something.
0: Interesting. Especially because Firefly was shown originally out of order. Was on, it? On television, yeah. It wasn't shown in the the, oh. the actual story order. It was shown um, in the wrong order on Fox or whatever it was on originally in America. And then not all of the episodes were screened. Oh. It's, it's got an interesting history behind it. it. Um, yeah, okay. We'll think about doing Firefly at some point after we've had a rest. <laughs> <laughs> or, and, and if I can get other guests, I don't want to put it upon you to be in a show every time. You know, I, I want to mix so. it up a bit. Um, but yes, thank you for being part of this show. I hope it's been an experience. Yeah, an experience. And uh, thank you for everybody for listening. As uh, before, we have our Patreon and email details on the website. And uh hope you look forward to the full series when it finally arrives. Um, maybe we should do some audience suggestions as to what to cover as well. Yeah. but until next time, that was the timeline. that was the Blade trilogy, and that was me having enough to do with vampires for a good long time.
1: <laughs> and if might just say safe in these dark times. Yes. Sure,
0: I can't attend. Blow took me from my chain like a fountain men.
1: It seems I've been asleep for a thousand years. The way my world changed, it brings me a thousand tears. Prince of darkness, they walk through the rays of light. To this
0: beat of empire, I'm the prototype. The shape shifted mirror image flash prototype. The everlasting the red blood born perfect.
1: And just like the great white shark, the sky has never had to fall. Um, I mean, I do like pretty much Jason,
0: but I know it's a bad film. This, I like <laughs> Yeah, bear with me, I've just got to grab my puffer. I'll pick up after that. Take my drugs. Take your drugs. Oh, look, man, just like, just like Blade. Blade. <laughs> well, he's got in the halo, hasn't he? <laughs> right. Um. I must have heard hundreds of you rodents make the same claim, each one of them tasted you. The